0: Pray with me. Holy God, speak to us what has been told from the beginning, your word that is the foundation of the world. Amen. The first reading today is from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 21 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in. Who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble, to whom then will you compare me? Or, who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see, who created these? He who brings out the host and numbers them, calling them all by name. Because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob? And assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youth will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. The voice of the Lord, powerful and full of majesty. Thanks be to God.
1: Our gospel reading for today comes to us from Mark chapter 1, right where we left off last week, verse 29 through 39. Listen for what That evening at sunset they brought to him all who were sick and possessed by demons. And the whole city was gathered around at the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. And he went throughout all Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, O Christ. Let us pray. Lord of fierce compassion, you name the forces of death in our hearts and institutions and even in the holy places. Lift from us the canopy of fear that feeds on repression and pushes away what it cannot abide. Go with us to dark and lonely places where we can learn again who we are called to be. Through Jesus Christ, the healer of creation. Amen. Sometime during Advent this past year, I noticed that my fuse was getting shorter and shorter. I found myself getting angry about stupid things, you know, traffic, people at the grocery store not moving fast enough notifications on my phone. And I told several of you, you know, if I could just make it through Christmas Eve, hopefully without yelling at anybody, then I'll be fine. And thankfully I did, but it was a stretch. And I wonder, what was it about Christmas this past year that was such a trying season? Well, we are an active church any time of the year, but of course at Christmas, everything gets turned up to eleven. And for whatever reason, this year it became overwhelming to me. I was reminded of what Bilbo Baggins says to Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings, that he feels thin, like butter stretched over too much bread. I always love that image. It's so evocative to me. There's just not enough of me to cover everything. I wonder if any of you have felt that way before, not just at Christmas, Right? For some, this feeling is not a seasonal problem. It's a chronic problem. What do you do when there's not enough of you to go around? You just grit it out? Try harder? That's what Jesus was faced with in our reading today. Today's reading picks up right where we left off. Jesus, last week we saw, was teaching in the synagogue and delivers a man from an unclean spirit. And After that dramatic event, he retreats with Simon and Andrew, presumably to retire for the day. But just as evil had penetrated the synagogue, illness has also touched the home. We like to think of home as a safe space that we can retreat from the struggles of the world, but the truth is, home can be the place of our deepest struggle. See, Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a fever, which in the ancient world can prove fatal. So I guess Simon is married. Who knew? We often think of Jesus and his disciples as kind of 13 guys out there just getting bro time together. But that word disciples refers to a much larger group than just the 12, and it included women, even if the women aren't always mentioned. Here and there, they show up like in today's reading. And so while we don't know much about Simon, who, Peter, who uh, Jesus will soon rename Peter, we do know that he and Andrew were brothers. And Incidentally, we're going to spend our Lenten season looking at the life of Peter. So we're going to get to know Simon Peter a lot better. Simon and Andrew's father and James and John's fathers, they were all in the fishing business in the same small village. And they work together, and they likely live together as well. Mark said they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Seems their homes are connected. It's reasonable to think that probably their families were as well. So perhaps Simon was married to one of James and John's sisters. And though sadly Mark doesn't tell us Simon's mother-in-law's name, some scholars think this is Salome who shows up at the resurrection and at the crucifixion, one of the women who follows Jesus to the end. And so perhaps this is James and John's mother. We can't say for sure, but I'm going to call her Salome because everyone has a name and mother-in-law isn't it. So hearing that she was ill, Jesus goes to Salome, takes her by the hand, lifts her up, and the fever leaves her, and she began to serve them. Now that word serve can be deceiving, because it may sound to us like she just gets up and goes straight to the kitchen to do proper women's work. But the Greek word for serve here is diokoneo, which is where we get the word deacon from. And so, Salome is the first deacon in Scripture. In fact, it's the same word that Jesus is going to use when James and John, when Jesus tells James and John that he did not come to be served, but to serve. And so, if Salome is their mother, then Jesus is saying, Hey, I'm just trying to be like your mom, guys, a deacon to those in need. And now that Salome is healed, it's time for Jesus to get some much needed rest the word gets out there's a healer in town and suddenly everybody's at the door looking for help mark tells us that jesus healed many who were sick cast out many demons makes you wonder between last week's story this one why are there so many people sick and possessed in this little corner of the roman empire See, I thought Rome was here to bring peace on earth. I thought that the Caesar was the savior of the world. That's what they claimed to be. Could it be that the institution of the Roman Empire wasn't delivering on its promises? Maybe maybe we need a better empire or maybe even a, a different kingdom. Maybe we need a different savior. Maybe that's what Mark's been trying to say all along. So after a long night... And day, Jesus finally gets away early in the morning. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And so on the heels of a very busy day and night, Jesus makes time for contemplation. Mark is, without a doubt, the most action-packed gospel. Everything happens immediately or at once. And yet, in this action-packed gospel, Mark... Nonetheless has this recurring theme of Jesus intentionally withdrawing for rest and prayer. Do we? Do you? Jesus is the divine son sent by God with a power and authority that we can only imagine and yet he still takes time to stop doing and just be. And Simon shows up and says, "Where you been? The people need you, man." May sound familiar. How many of us worry that if we stop all of our doing, everything's just going to fall apart? I need to save this year's Pentecost potluck because no one is coming to help me out with it. And if we don't do it, we won't raise money for the hungry emus of Peru. And those emus need to eat. Boy, do they need to eat, which I guess it means that I'll just have to do it all by myself. Here's the reality. The world's needs are infinite. And if Jesus couldn't meet them all, what chance do you have? Jesus says to Peter, sorry, buddy, we're moving on. Got other work to do. I cannot be all things to all people, and it's time to go. Do you realize what that would have meant for some of the people in that town? Some who are still sick, some who may die. And apparently Jesus is okay with that. He had limits, and so do we. Do you know what happens when we consistently live beyond our limits? (laughs) Our service is no longer fueled by gratitude, but instead becomes tainted with resentment. And when that happens, no one will want to help us because no one is attracted to resentful people. Now, I've been a part of other churches where I've heard people say things like, why won't the young people just step up around here and help us raise money for those hungry, poor emus? Now, obviously, no one of this church has ever said anything like that before. But humor me for a moment and imagine that someone did. If we ever find ourselves saying things like that, then perhaps it's time to consider that the solution isn't just other people stepping up and helping, but we might be doing a little too much. See, there is a place for both action and contemplation. We all need time to do less. Jesus had limits. He could not do everything. Neither can we. One way to understand the temptation in the Garden of Eden is that sin is the desire to live beyond one's limits. In the Garden, God places a limit on humanity. Don't eat that. Serpent comes along and says, Limits? Who needs those? You can be like gods. You see, to be human is to be limited. And the desire to live without limits is the desire to be god And you and I make lousy gods. Awful. The call to contemplation is a call to stop our activities. To rest. To pray. To listen for that divine voice of love that reminds us who we are and why we are here. Jesus was a human being, not a human doing. And so are you. Your doing flows from your being, and when your doing stretches you like butter over too much bread, the only solution is to return to the wilderness, to let God love you, to restore you, so that when you return, you can serve with a clear head and a grateful heart. Call it rest, self-care, Sabbath, contemplation, we all need time away, even if that means that some balls will drop and some things will not get done and perhaps some emus won't get fed. If Jesus let the balls drop, then so must we. So I think we all need to ask ourselves, am I doing too much? How might God be calling me to rest, to contemplation, to live within my limits? After Christmas, I took two weeks to unwind. And that's what it felt like a knot very slowly coming undone. Took the better part of that first week to stop worrying if I had crossed every T and dotted every I. Uh, guess what? I didn't. I have to let some things go. And by that second week, I was amazed how much pleasure I got for simple things cooking for my family, without any meetings to attend or emails to answer. I felt my humanity restored, and by the time I got back here, I was brimming with gratitude and eager to work. See, rest is not a privilege of the well-to-do. It is the divine right of the children of God, and all of us need it. Even Jesus, even you. Beloved, I know some of you are tired and weary. God wants to renew your strength. You might mount up on wings like eagles. God is calling you to the wilderness, away from the action, to rest, to contemplate the wonder that you are God's own beloved. Not because of what you do, but because of who you are. So hear this good news, God is God, you are not. Thanks be to God.